Almost three-quarters of a million people in Canada suffer from Alzheimer's disease or related dementia illnesses, and those numbers are expected to rise sharply in the next decade. June Andrews is the former director of the University of Stirling's Dementia Services Development Centre in Scotland. She's one of the world's leading experts on dementia care, and her latest book, When Someone You Know Has Dementia, offers practical advice for families and caregivers, and June Andrews joins us now to talk more about it. June, good morning. Good morning. Now, from your research, what have you learned about what it's like for people to live with dementia? The most interesting aspect of the research is that uh, there are two possible journeys with dementia. One is where you stay as well as possible for as long as possible. And the other is where you go downhill quite rapidly for reasons that may well be avoidable. Okay. And and what determines the the, the two paths, which one any given person ends up on? Well, the research for these um, two different paths indicates that there are some things that probably make a big difference. So simple changes that you can make in your environment could help. For some people, just increasing the light level where they live can make more difference than the medication does. Uh, Diet is hugely important. The Mediterranean diet is one that's often recommended because, as the Australians say, what's good for your heart is also good for your head. Um, Any vascular health improvement you can make is really good. And staying hydrated. But the thing for which there is the strongest evidence is exercise. And people with dementia go downhill faster if they're lonely and bored and don't have any company. So if you can encourage people with dementia to get out and about, even just walking, walking with friends, going to see people, that can go a long way towards making them stay as well as possible for as long as possible. So there's there's huge potential and very practical responses and and, and just day to day lifestyle thing, uh, lifestyle uh, responses. Yes, it's all intensely practical, and the key thing, I suppose, the key difficulty is how do you persuade the person with dementia to to take part in these changes? And that's what we've got in the book, which is a lot of information about how to introduce some of those changes and how to encourage people to keep them up and things to avoid. So, for example, avoiding a hospital admission would be quite important mm. if you possibly can or taking special care. Chapter 12 is about what special care you can take if you happen to be admitted to hospital to make sure that you get back to your previous level of functioning. Now, you say avoiding hospital uh, admission. How so and why? Well, the commonest reason for going into hospital quite often for an older person with dementia is something like a urinary tract infection or a fall. And we know that older people are susceptible to those infections and we know what you can do to try to avoid them. Make sure you're drinking plenty. Mm -hmm. There's a whole range of things you can do. And avoiding falls, that's about trip hazards. The thing we find is that when someone with dementia goes into hospital, it's a great place that saves your life, but the environment is just not designed and the systems are not designed to support people with dementia. Mm. So the hospital actually becomes a pretty dangerous place. And there are ideas in the book for things you can do to make sure that you stay as well as possible. How to make sure you're getting enough to drink, enough pain control, uh, possibility of getting a decent sleep in hospital. These are things Mm -hmm. which, if they're not attended to, the person with dementia could have quite a bad reversal. You stress the importance of early diagnosis in in your book, and maybe it's obvious, but but I wonder why that's so vital. Well, lots of different diseases cause dementia, but the commonest one is Alzheimer's disease. And there is medication, some medication for Alzheimer's disease, but it works best at the earlier stages. And so why would you want to miss that window of opportunity by avoiding going to see somebody to check if that's what your problem is? 
The other thing is that um, in the early stages of dementia, you can still decide what's going to happen. You have a lot of control and you can go and see your lawyer and put your affairs in order mm-hmm. so that if a time comes when you can't make those decisions, you've at least picked someone who will make them for you. Um, to make sure that it's what you would have wanted if you were able to ask for it. Now, a lot of a lot of us uh, human beings in general are are, are 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 want to delay things that are unpleasant. And you know, I mean, I can't relate to this personally, but I can I can imagine why somebody might want to put it off if they suspect it or what have you. But have you observed this in people who've been diagnosed early and then taken the the proactive steps to get their affairs in order and so on? Does it help them to to do that as they as they go uh, as they go forward? Absolutely. In Scotland, we have a group of people called the Scottish Dementia Working Group. And these are people who not only live an active life, but they take an active part in persuading the government and influencing the government about what it is people with dementia want and need. So there's a lot of life for them after diagnosis. But if they had waited too long, they may have missed opportunities to make that kind of difference both for themselves and other people. You've got a lot of advice here for people with dementia who may have just been diagnosed and and an awful lot for caregivers as well. And I wonder what are some big mistakes that caregivers often make when taking care of a loved one with dementia that that, uh, listeners could avoid uh, uh, or or could benefit uh, by hearing about? Well, it's a brave person who would criticise a caregiver because these people are doing a tough job and they know the person best who they're looking after. Mm -hmm. But when I talk to them, they say that they wish someone had told them earlier to avoid arguing with the person that they're looking after. We often argue with young people to try and change their minds or shape their thinking and help them learn. But when you're working with someone who has dementia, their capacity to learn is limited. And so you can argue with them as much as you like, but you won't receive a satisfactory conclusion. They might not change their view. But what you get is a kind of hangover of stress and anxiety and sometimes even embarrassment when you've told the person that they're wrong. And they may feel bad long after you've stopped arguing. But what you're left with is a kind of scratchy, stressed uh, person who will be harder to be with for the rest of the day. So it makes life harder for the person with dementia, makes Mm. life harder for yourself. So they say they wish somebody had told them, advised them to avoid arguments, if at all possible. Mm. Interesting. What what about the the level of care uh, someone's loved one is receiving or or not receiving? What what, what do you advise for for loved ones who believe perhaps their family member or, or friend isn't getting the proper treatment they should? Well, there's a range of things that might concern you. One of the most important ones is whether they're getting the right medication. Actually, as people get older, as your liver and your kidneys get older, it's best to keep down the number of medications that you're taking to what's absolutely essential. And as a rule of thumb, quite often say just four medications is enough. So if you feel that the person's being over-medicated and this mixture of uh, things is, this mixture of pharmacy is starting to make them worse, then that's something you really should ask the pharmacist or the doctor to review for you. One important thing is that people with dementia don't often get given pain control as much as the rest of us because they can't express their pain. Mm. And undiagnosed and unmanaged pain is one of the commonest causes of distressed behaviour in people with dementia. So sometimes the agitation is caused just by them being sore and not having something for it. We've been uh, hearing a, a fair bit of concern about uh, the inappropriate use of antipsychotic uh, medication among the elderly. I wonder if, if this is something that presents itself in, in general with dementia patients or, or, or not? Yeah, it happens a lot with dementia patients. And one of the reasons is this, that um, 
there may come a time when the person is so agitated and anxious and everybody round about is at the end of their tether mm. that you really need to use some medication to quieten them down. But what we've discovered from research is that people use it too much. They use it too often. They use it even if it's not making any difference. And, of course, it's very bad for you, um, particularly if you've got some forms of dementia like Lewy body dementia. Mm. So being really careful around that medication is quite important, particularly if it turns out that the reason why the person was agitated was because they had pain. Because there could be nothing worse than being stupefied by the sedative but still experiencing the pain. Yes. Professor Andrews, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you, you talking to me this morning. Thank you. June Andrews is the author of When Someone You Know Has Dementia, Practical Advice for Families and Caregivers. She's one of the world's leading experts on dementia care and the former director of the University of Stirling's Dementia Services Development Center in Scotland.